Assalamu alaikum. May the peace that only God can give be upon you. Welcome to Radio Islam. This is your host, Tariq al and we are broadcasting on WCEV 1450 AM, streaming at WCEV1450.com. Now, if you are new to the program, we're on every evening from 6 to 7 p.m. Central, coming to you from Chicago, Illinois, uh, in the Palmer House. Uh, keep up with us on social media. You'll find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Radio Islam USA. And also take a moment to subscribe to the podcast. We are wherever you get yours at. So we're on Apple Podcasts, uh, SoundCloud, Google Play, TuneIn. So wherever, just look for us at Radio Islam USA. And last but not least, uh, as far as ways to connect with us, RadioIslam.com. That is always the place that you'll be able to go to and check out past episodes, uh, guest bios, info, just staying up to date with things that are going on with the Radio Islam family. So that is all I have for you there. Uh, I am always happy for the conversation that is about to take place uh, because it's one where I get to uh, get into movies, right? I've, I grew up watching them. I'm sure you have. But this is a segment that we've been doing for, I think, going on a year now. Um, and it is where I am joined by uh, the one and only Bubba Murray. Uh, and if you don't know anything about Bubba, I will tell you. He is. He is what? He is a filmmaker, right? Uh, that is true. That yes, is true. he is a filmmaker. <laughs> but, I, I, I don't deny it. But he is he is an award-winning uh, writer, director, hailing from Oak Park, Illinois. His background includes receiving the ABC Writing Fellowship, writing for Desperate Housewives, participating in the NBC Diversity Scene Showcase twice, and being accepted into the Fox Writing Initiative. And he also had a short film, Robox, which won the best children's film not that long ago in 2017. Also has a newer, um, a newer uh, piece. Uh, tell us the name of that again. Okay, that piece was called Awake or Awake. And so that was a, a, a psychological thriller. And so that's been going through the festivals. Mm-hmm. Okay. And yeah, so it's a little departure from Robox, which was a children's fantasy. But we still are hitting that fantasy world, just a little bit darker. Okay. So we have been talking about, um, well, we generally talk about films that people can go to uh, their uh, their normal streaming services, Netflix, Hulu, um, Crackle. Amazon. Say. Amazon, yeah. So we'll just say the big three right there. Um, and recently we both had a chance to watch a film that got a lot of, uh, generated a lot of conversation bird box and a lot of uh challenges yeah definitely definitely a lot of challenges as well so for those of you who have not seen uh this film uh it is on netflix sandra bullock uh is the lead and uh the basic premise is there is there somehow there is um people become uh suicidal at seeing this particular some kind of image that's really never seen um, or coming into contact with some kind of force. It's some entity. Some, yeah, some, some entity. Star, starts overseas, and then it, it makes its way here, uh, and then it's all about the survivors, right? And it centers around Sandra Bullock, her character, uh, and, and some other folks as well. What was your, what was your first um, response? What was your first reaction to this when, when you saw it? Uh, I, I enjoyed it. I thought it was good. Yeah. I, I thought it was a solid thriller. Um, now, based on the 
ridiculous hype that went around it. You, I was instantly trying to figure out, well, what movie is this like that I've seen? Because, you know, you have a Netflix movie versus something that's released in the features. Right. And a lot of people I saw talking about it kind of linked it to uh, A Quiet Place, uh, said it was similar to that. Mm-hmm. I found it closer to a movie called The Happening okay. by M. Night Shyamalan, where the plants were attacking the people and making them commit suicide. Mm-hmm. But I thought it did a solid job as, again, a psychological thriller. You don't know where the danger is going to come from. Uh, and then you've got Sandra Bullock as this, uh, I'd say, almost detached female caregiver from the children that she's forced to protect. Mm-hmm. And then you've got her backstory, which explains how these creatures work. But I, I thought... I mean, I thought it was solid. It wasn't like it wasn't the best movie I've seen. I thought it was a little overhyped. Still worth seeing, but um, I definitely felt they did a good job of setting up that world and setting up the stakes. Right. You know, one thing. Uh, speaking of that backstory, I think that that opening scene was really important. Now, for those who those of you who have not seen it, uh, I guess we're probably giving some spoilers, right? So. Oh yeah, uh, did we just say it right now? Just- <laughs> Yeah. haven't seen it <laughs> yeah yeah just just stop and come back later on uh but that opening scene was really important uh for me because it really kind of uh set the tone for what this was one of the i guess some of the really uh, foundational elements uh or themes of this uh, of the movie uh and that being the inability to connect um and you know how she was writing she was doing a painting and uh just a bunch of different folks on there and her sister asks her what well, she, she tells her opinion of the of the piece. And she's like, well, yeah, it looks like a bunch of lonely people. Right. And mm-hmm. that uh, to me was like a, a real, uh, a real uh, just kind of a hallmark of this particular movie. It was, it was very much about uh, connection. But, and I'll say that that is one of the things I also thought was unique about it, which I thought went for it because we usually, when you see a female protagonist like that, she is a nurturer, a natural protector, right. and someone who you think of as a, a true mother figure, strong and powerful in that way. So uh, the movie Aliens, yeah, when you have Ripley, mm-hmm. she's a hero, but she's this hero that you know will take charge and identifies with this. In that movie, there was a character called Newt, a little girl she finds, so she wanted to protect her. Sandra Bullock, she was driven by duty. Yes. But there was definitely, as we met her character, no softness, softness and no sort of uh, maternal link or maternal uh, connection to the children that she was protecting. And this part, this isn't a, uh, this is no uh, spoiler. This is shown in all the, all the uh, uh, previews where she's giving the stern instructions of what to do to survive. She isn't saying it like a mother. She's approaching it more like a drill sergeant. Yeah. And, but I thought that was really interesting that you have this character again, female character, female protagonist who maybe dealing with postpartum. I'm not sure, but just dealing with that, uh, the stereotype of having to connect with children. And, and she is struggling with that in the, in the, uh, in the movie. So, I mean, that's an issue that she has. Will she ever make those traditional um, connections? And she's worried about that as she moves forward. So I will give them credit for taking on that sort of issue as 
something that underlies or, or pushes this character and gives her some place to go. Yeah, kind of stepping away from the normal, uh, normal, just automatic nurturer uh, that that a, a female protagonist would be placed in. And actually, if you think of that movie, just a quick comparison, like A Quiet Place. Mm-hmm. See, there you you had a. I didn't see Qui- A Quiet Place. Okay, think, well, yeah. Again, this isn't going to be a spoiler, but it's about a family. Uh-huh. So it's just that in that movie, you've just got this family. They love each other. They're trying hard to stay together, and. You don't need. You can see the trailers to know you've got mom, dad who are fighting tooth and nail to save their kids. Mm-hmm. And with this one, it's mom, you know, fighting to save the kids, but again, she's doing it reluctantly and out of duty, and almost, it, and until she really learns why she's doing it. Do, uh, so, do you think? Do you think that it was not so much just a sense of duty, but also maybe kind of going back to that opening scene where. Uh, there was this well for oh, first couple of scenes. I think one that was in the uh, in the hospital when uh, her sister is telling her how horses respond. They automatically know that they're pregnant, and then their behavior just changes. You know uh, that she was worried more about the loss, not just not just the connection, but um, but dealing with the loss. Like she had just dealt with the relationship that had ended. And uh, it seems like she was going through a, a period of processing. And I say that because she referred to the to the boy as boy and the girl as girls, like kind of a way to keep from becoming too attached. Well, the thing is, if you think about it, this movie was told in flashback. Right. So when we meet, uh, when we get, well, when we meet Sandra Bullock's character, we'll call that present time. Yeah. But then we have an immediate flashback to five years earlier where she is someone who doesn't want to have children. She doesn't want to be in relationships at all. She's she's a step away from being agoraphobic. Yeah. Uh, she So she has no connections with anyone. So I guess um, – so, I mean, I'll give you that she is learning. But I feel yeah, at that at that the point where we meet her, Mm-hmm. Um, she still is making some questionable decisions or motivations about how she's treating those children. Oh yeah, when she's moving them, and that's where I feel it's more like that now that she has, they have to go to this this compound where they think they'll find safety. Right, and it's a perilous journey, mm-hmm. and the only warning detect just to help people know if they forgot the only detection system they have are these birds. Mm. that are in a shoebox, that's where Ken's put the name Bird Box, that help them, uh, that will uh, will set off an alarm or, or let them know if there's any sort of one of these um, evil entities around. Yeah, so they know the not to look. The yeah. yeah, yeah, it's yeah, the canary in the coal mine. So he tells them just to keep their eyes shut and look down and, and to try and, uh, again, just keep from communicating with these creatures. Right. But, that being said, at at the end, she suffered some losses, and now she's beyond the learning phase. She's an action note. Yeah. So that journey is all action. Mm-hmm. And there are a couple times, and I'm giving the filmmakers credit for it because they wanted you to think she might have made she might have made a few questionable choices about what she would do with the kids, what it came up to. Uh, 
Oh, Ooh, man. you're going to sacrifice. <laughs> yeah. I'm just saying, you know, she, at that point, you thought you weren't sure she would be that typical mom who would be no matter what, kids first. Right. I mean, I'm kids. Well, my you kid honestly first. thought she might say, um, well, you guys can't help me much, so one of you is expendable. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it did feel that, like that for a minute. And, and and so that's where I feel that's where I well, I was thinking more like the duty because yeah. you get, okay spoiler alert just to say she gets over that fear or or over that impulse to sacrifice children but uh, but I did I felt that was something that you, you know may not have been natural to her at first she really had to fight to get to that point yeah. before that actual maternal instinct kicked in. Mm-hmm. Uh, she was duty-bound to save them rather than just do emotional connection. Right. Well, and also one of the things I appreciate that the uh, that the filmmakers did here was to give us opposing responses uh, that, that people give in times of crisis. Uh, and one is, and it goes back to that theme of connection, right? Are you able to, and when you do connect, are you able to maintain those connections? You know, how far... Uh, how far does trust go? Um, the house that she wound up being called into, uh, John Malkovich is always John Malkovich, right? He just seems like he just shows up and just starts, you know, just giving lines. <laughs> but oh yeah, so but but his his character along with um, with everybody else that was in the house, this tension, this uh, this this feeling like okay once everybody is in that initial group. This is all that's coming in. We're not trusting anybody else. You know, that's it. But then even as that group seems like it starts to come together, you see a betrayal. Uh, and as, as I mentioned, Brader Sun family, we there, this is all spoilers, right? So, um, but you see a betrayal and you see, I think, was that a, was that machine gun Kelly? Yes, it was. Yeah. Okay. So his character, and uh, I, I don't know the name of the uh, the other actress, but the two of them, they take off. You know. So it, it goes back to me. I felt like I was looking at constant uh, commentaries on on trust and connection. And and I think it helps to. I, I want to backtrack a little bit. Yeah. Just to just sort of give a description of who the people were in that house. Oh yeah. Because I mean that was you actually had a some recognizable faces there. You had um, Rel Howery. Yeah, yeah. Who he portrayed someone who was uh, sort of a conspiracy follower, but a guy who worked at a grocery store. You had to get John Malkovich's character, who's, who again, was sort of the ornery guy who didn't trust anybody. And he had good reason to, because when his character meets his character's wife, ends up sacrificing herself mm-hmm. in order to help uh, Sandra Bullock. Right. And when when this uh, pandemic breaks out in their little community. And so when that movie starts, you've got three newcomers to the house. It's it's Michelle, uh, I'm sorry, well, Sandra Bullock, right. who plays a character named Mallory. Uh, she's helped off the ground by a African-American character, named Tom, played by Trevante Rhodes, and then there's a female cop, that one of those, and she was a cop, or uh, or in the Academy. Mm-hmm. Um, I think her character's name was Lucy, played by Rosa Salazar, 
But again, you've got this police officer who ends up being that person who betrays the team in the end. And so, so yeah. these three newcomers, they get into the house and then they're again trying to figure out a quick dynamic. Now, so a critique or I had or a thought was in this movie, this epidemic kind of hits the states all at once mm -hmm. in the sense of there wasn't a lot of warning time. They heard about it in other countries, but they still didn't know what was going on. And they didn't know what the symptoms were. Right. They just knew that there was something causing people to uh, okay. yeah. commit suicide. But once it hit whatever town they were, I guess in California or something, I think that's where they were. Mm -hmm. But, you know, it was like a wave. All of a sudden, thousands of people are running in hysteric and it's like in hysterics and it's like an apocalypse hits mm -hmm. but somehow after these people make it into a house where there are already five people there they seem to know don't look at anything they already know the rules of this world so that i found a little yeah uh, like what was the learning curve right? how, like, yeah how in 15 minutes do they realize there's these <laughs> unseen monsters going around causing people to go insane right Right. You know, uh, also on, on that note, um, they really did not explain uh, exactly why they had been spared initially. You know, how was it that um, Sandra Bullock, her character, she's in the car with her sister and they're driving together. Her sister sees whatever it is, but she doesn't. Now, I know she, you know, she's she's got her head turned while she's in the car at one point. But I think it would have been, I would have appreciated a bit more of an explanation as to how they avoided it uh, just, you know, at the outset. No, I think that makes sense, too, because this is this is me getting nitpicky. But you're talking about where the woman, uh, this is Sarah Paulson, too, who's a sister. Right. She's driving along. As a viewer, we actually have the same shot, point of view that she had. Mm -hmm. And at that moment, we don't see anything as a viewer. But later on in different parts of this movie, when they, so when they end up getting in the house, they know to board things up, put paper over the windows. You see shadows passing by the windows right. that, that give you an idea that these creatures have some sort of actual form. It's not just imagination. Like they, they, they have a physical presence that we should have been able to see at, the, at that scene in the car. Mm-hmm. Uh, because we're we have the same point of view when this sister goes crazy and tries to kill herself. Right. So again, so that that's why I say you know there's some things I think they were a little sloppy with in the storytelling, mm -hmm. uh, and they focus more in just building this this uh, uh, the fear factor and paranoia within the movie and taking away some of the the logic. Mm -hmm. point yeah did you did you think that overall um not being able to really ever see the uh whatever this entity is do you feel like that was a uh do you feel like it was a shortcut on behalf of the filmmakers or do you feel that not ever really seeing it that it added a kind of an air of uh of of, of greater suspense for the audience I mean, I think it added greater suspense. I mean, it definitely seemed like it was a conscious decision by the filmmakers and that they were trying to make it some sort of 
allegorical story about you know the, those unseen fears that we have that are sort of are tearing down society. Right. But uh, no, but but I do think that I, it worked for me in that sense. I don't know if I would have gotten anything more out of it if all of a sudden I do see some crazed looking demon flying around. Right. I, I, this is one of those times where I think it's better to leave it to your imagination. Mm. Now, Let me decide what's what it is. Right. Now you said there, there have been there has been some critique or I, I don't I don't want to phrase it necessarily just as critique, but some of the responses to it have been uh, interesting in light of what this particular movie represented. Like what was it? What was the unseen thing a metaphor for? What was her response? Uh, you know, the lead character, you know, and, and there have been some different things that have been asserted. Uh, what do you think that, um, that, that this film represented, you know, what was the metaphor that was being expressed here? Well, I think it goes back to that opening scene where it's, um, sometimes we allow ourselves <laughs> to be blinded by fear and unknown. Mm-hmm. And that instance destroys relationships. And and I think that mask or the that 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 blindfold that people have to wear is in a sense that filtering out all the, the mess and the lies and the propaganda that we're seeing. And, the, and sometimes you can so you just sort of have to feel your way through life in order to sort of survive. Right. Uh, that's what I got out of that. Okay. All right. Now, um as far as the, the ending, right? So they come across um, a group of folks that I guess are the logically, right? If we're going back logically, these are the people that should have made it out, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, because they're all blind. Um, but, 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 but with that, though, the folks that can look, you know that they, they can look, but they seem to be affected in a much more in a much different way, where they're not self harming. They become homicidal. Uh, you know, their whole goal is to make other people see it. And these uh, these folks are the uh, folks that have mental mental disorders. It seems like. Yeah. So I, I thought that was an interesting interesting um, uh, play between the two. But you wonder also how how realistic in this imaginary type of uh, uh, setting would it be that those without sight would have been able to withstand the assault of those, you know, of those folks that, that are sighted. Yeah. I mean, that's, I guess that, I think they would have a pretty low chance of survival. And because I, there are those times where they really, I would say how they foreshadowed or, or made it so blatant that they were going with this, the mentally ill people the who survived. Because I think when we first hear about this, um, they've made that trip to the grocery store. Mm-hmm. And the Rel Howry, the Rel Hal Howry character, I'm sorry, well, his name is Charlie, because he had worked there. Mm-hmm. And then he hears someone talking and he says, oh, you know, that's Five Finger Charlie or something, or Five Finger Joe. Right. Who by the way, spent all this time in prison <laughs> and, and, so, and we, and he's really off, and, you know, he's a kind of scary guy, but Hey, he's alive. Right. And once that happens, it was so obvious what they were playing with. Right. It, right. 
that it was kind of weak. And then, but but I feel someone like that would definitely be able to take out a, a, a compound of blind people, no problem. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, because those people were all, the, the survivors were all killers and psychopaths. You know what I also found interesting is that they chose to position them as manipulators. All of a sudden now uh, they are appealing to um, to folks' humanity, their sense of natural sense of empathy. You think about whatever the guy's name, Five Finger, Charlie or whatever, and he's like almost crying to get in, right? He's he's really pulling on the heartstrings. Uh, and that's, you know, I thought that was a really interesting place for for them to uh, position him. Yeah, and it's no, yeah, that that was interesting, and, and I, I liked how they had different levels of these manipulators. Yeah, you had um, the guy. There was a person who was actually able to infiltrate the house, and he's yes. So that that was the one that yeah. threw me a bit because he did not uh, exhibit the sign of this infection, let's say, right. uh, while he was there. And what they showed you in the movie is that, oh, they also had gangs of people who were infected running around. So it also reminded you of The Walking Dead. Yes, yep, sure did. Uh, and, and then actually that just brought up a thought to me. What were all these people doing together anyway? You know, where do they go? Because so <laughs> there was a group of people driving around, going after people, but they were like their own community. Yeah. Where yeah. did they come from and what were, I mean, is there a town of people who were infected just hanging out? I mean, in that sense, would it have been that bad to be infected? Because they're all, they were all okay. Yeah. They, I mean, they all seemed, they were just trying to get people to see things the way they see it. Yeah, but unfortunately, uh, <laughs> to get anybody anybody else to see meant that you were going to self-harm. So if you if you weren't okay from the very beginning, then you are most likely going to be one of those folks who, um, you know, who, who became a self-harmer. But that's, so that's where things are very, uh, where they, they kind of fall apart as far as the logic in this world, because you've got self-harmers, you've got the people who are the manipulators or the servants to these beings to try and get people to either turn mm -hmm. or become a self-harmer. Right. And then you've got the, the survivors who are, walking around blind mm -hmm. uh oh but i was just gonna say there were different levels because you had that guy uh, my original point was going to be that the guy who infiltrated the house he didn't show the signs of being infected where the band of people did and that's where they'd have these just um their eyes were discolored so i mm. was just those are the things i felt that they were playing these tricks on me as an audience member because they weren't following through with the actual rules of this universe that they're study, setting up. Like like this one guy, get, sometimes his eyes are bad, sometimes they're good, mm -hmm. uh, who who uh, betrayed the house members. You, I think the creepiest guy, though, and I think I'm looking up his credit, he was credited as the river man. Okay. And, and that was, I think, the most frightening character in the piece. And he was the one who was telling them, oh, I'll help you out, and yelling to the kids in the water. Yeah. Or while they were in the boat going down the river yeah. uh, with their eyes closed. Well, you Just know what? As, as, a, as a viewer, 
yeah, that, that was definitely a really suspenseful point. Uh, being put in the position of the characters with blindfolds, you know, you're looking through, everything is obscured. Uh, and just relying on your, your, you know, your, your hearing um, and, and knowing that there's somebody out there. That was, you know, I had to tip my hat because I was like, that was some really, that was a really suspenseful. Uh, no, that, that was really good. I, I like that. Uh, again, it's like you can, you can knock things apart. I was thinking, well, why didn't they give these kids like face masks or something? Because yeah, I would be afraid if my two-year-old was going to just wear a little blindfold. Let me put something totally over their head. Just, yeah, and, you, and, you know it will be gone. Mm-hmm, yeah. And, you know, put put some cardboard or something in it. I, I don't want them to see. Uh, but, but, but I, I did enjoy, I will say I did enjoy it. I did enjoy uh, the journey that she went on. And, and, it, and it, again, it had some really surprising and some, some really suspenseful moments that were, that were genuine. I was genuinely shocked by some of the stuff I saw. Yeah. You know, I, I'll say, um, well, I guess one of the final points I would make um, is that, as I mentioned that I felt like this was very much about community and connection uh, and trust that at the very end, you know, which we pointed out that it was a community of, uh, of blind people, right. Um, That, that were saved. And that in that there was very much a message about how our own sight uh, betrays us or how, you know, sight is often, um, you know, our, our fears come from what we see uh, and, and, and and maybe what we don't understand. So I, I thought that was a, uh, a pretty good point uh, that, that it left me with. And of course, something like that is open to interpretation for, for each viewer. Uh, mm-hmm. And, you know, we don't know exactly why well, I didn't look it up. I'm sure maybe the director um, talked about that, but I thought that was something worthy of, of thinking about just being mindful of the power of what we see and how that can manifest either um, in, in trusting or distrusting, um, um, you know, responses. Well, I mean, I, I would, I, I mean, I think there's validity to, the, to that because in the fact of once this uh, character, Sandra Bullock's character is accepted by the community, then she's able to break down these walls that she's had set up yeah. and, accept these children, accept the loss that she had and, and kind of let these birds go free. Yeah. Uh, uh, but yeah, cause I was, I was thinking what, what I, what I also enjoyed in kids kind of flipping around as we always do. Uh, what they skipped in this movie, but still interesting is that when Sandra Bullock was in the house, you know, getting this community together, the initial action, they might have been together for about three months without any major incidents. One of the other individuals in the house was a pregnant woman. Right. So uh, when this infiltrator comes in and betrays the family, uh, that was the same day you know, she, they gave birth to the children. So what ends up happening is you have Sandra Bullock and the... Uh, the African-American character, Tom, mm-hmm. uh, are the, the survivors and the two babies. Mm. So then we flash forward four years. So in these four years, the, the babies grew up to be toddlers. They were still able to survive pretty well in in that 
situation. And so I really wonder, yeah, in, in, in that sense, in that time, how she grew, you know, how the characters would have grown, utilizing their senses. Now, what we see, as you had mentioned earlier, she had still called the characters children boy and girl right so she still hadn't linked with those kids mm-hmm. but she had just managed to make an, a, an attraction to uh this character tom so she she was able to to have these adult uh relationships mm-hmm. but she still hadn't been able to uh, develop or still working on develop, developing these familial relationships mm-hmm. uh, specifically with the children and so I'm trying to say you took that trip to, to really bring that out in her. Yeah, you know, it, it makes me ask the question. I think uh, the character Tom might have mentioned it as well uh, about about the fact that she had not given them names. I think that was him yeah. who mentioned it. He, yeah, he brought that up. Yeah, yeah, I just don't see that flying. I just, <laughs> I just, I mean, especially if if they were together for four years, right? I don't right, see I him calling three weeks. You know, okay, it's weird yeah. for three weeks, but come on, yeah, now. four years. Yeah, you're going to get a name. And, of course, we we had a nice bookend mm-hmm. with this character's um, obstetrician. Yeah. Mallory's yes. obstetrician. Yeah. Uh, who was actually portrayed uh, by... Um, oh, um... Parminda uh, Nagra. Parminda Nagra, yeah, from yeah. Uh, Bend It Like Beckham. Mm-hmm. So, from, yeah, from Bennett like Beckham fame. So I thought I recognized her. Yeah. But, you know, she's there at the beginning and she shows up at the end. And so five years later, that's when she decides she's going to give those kids names. Come on. Yeah. Come yeah. on. That was, that was, that was but, definitely but I wonder, a I whole. wonder if it's going to start a trend, though. What if they're going <laughs> to, you think a bunch of kids are going to start being named boy and girl? I should hope not. <laughs> I should hope not. Well, um, you got any final thoughts on uh, on Bird Box? Um, you, it's, it's something that you would recommend, though. I definitely recommend it. Okay. And I do not recommend the challenge, but I definitely recommend well, the Bird on. Box challenge. I'm sorry. What's the Bird Box challenge? Oh, you haven't heard? No, I haven't. Where people, no, where people are trying to do everyday activities with a blindfold. Oh, okay. So right. and they're getting themselves hurt, you know, like trying to cross the street. Yeah drive to the grocery store whoa 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 i don't know about driving but <laughs> i mean behind that, the wheel you know yeah. being you know being based in chicago they had that there was that meme going around with uh the kicker with Sandra Bullock said on it i don't know if you saw that picture uh you know that's how people were coping with the last bears game yeah that was brutal yeah, but but that's how it tied into bird box because it's like the kicker was doing the bird box challenge by kicking blindfold. <laughs> so. Oh yeah, that's that's. So, but you, but it, it's been out two weeks, so it really has actually made an impact in you know uh, pop culture yeah. and influenced people that far that that it has spawned this movement. So when you're, but I do recommend it. You can look up the bird box challenge, but don't do it. Yeah, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna echo both of those. I, I, I recommend it as well. It's it's thought provoking um, and hopefully in a good way. Uh, make us as a society think about how our site can contribute to connection or rejection. So, <clears throat> yeah, so I, I, I would definitely um, recommend it and no to the Bird Box Challenge, which I just uh, heard about. Well, I think you, you know what? I'm going to say this. 
in your own home, I think it's a great idea to be able to get around in your own home. Uh, okay. You know? Okay. You I, never know. I mean, you can try, but. Yeah. But don't do go outside not, with that. Don't operate a car. Yeah. For the purpose. <laughs> All right. So, uh, Radio South Family, we're going to take a, a break and we'll come back. Uh, let's get into another really uh, interesting film, which has generated a lot of conversation. Bandersnatch. So, uh, we're going to take a short break. This is Radio Slam. We're on WCEV 1450 AM. Sweet strawberry icing. You're in goodwill and just past that vintage denim jacket you spot. Miniature donut earrings. You lean in. Ah. That's the scent of shopping success. Because at Goodwill, every item you buy funds local job training and more. So bring home those donut earrings and bring home so much good to your community. Goodwill, bring good home. Brought to you by Goodwill and the Ad Council. Excuse me, I know you have a nine o'clock, so I'll keep this short. I'm the business suit in the back of your closet. You wore me nearly every day before your office went, quote, casual. I used to be the CEO of your closet. Now I'm just that one intern no one ever talks to. I always thought you'd circle back with me, get granular, keep me in the pipeline. But nada, nothing. Don't you remember the McKittrick presentation? You spilled coffee on me and I still looked amazing during the breakout talkback Q&A. So I think it's time for me to move on. I've got a great resume and I absolutely crush it in interviews, okay? Let's make this a clean break. Shift the paradigm. The only thing I ask is that you think outside the box here and do this. Take me to Goodwill, where I can really make a difference. Your donations to Goodwill create new jobs, training programs, and education assistance for people in your community. To find your nearest donation center, go to goodwill.org. Donate stuff. Create jobs. A message from Goodwill and the Ad Council. Welcome back. Welcome back to Radio Islam. This is your host, Tariq Elamin, and we're broadcasting on WCEV 1450 AM, streaming at WCEV1450.com. Uh, remember to keep up with us on social media. You will find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Radio Islam USA. That's at Radio Islam USA. And last but not least, make sure you are subscribed to the podcast. We are on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Google Play, and TuneIn all at Radio Islam USA. Uh, today, uh, if you are just tuning in, you missed a, uh, what I think was a pretty good discussion about a film generating a lot of conversation, and that is uh, that was about Bird Box. I am joined by filmmaker uh, extraordinaire Bubba Murray. And Pleasure. Pleasure yes, to be here. Yes, sir, always. And we're about to get into another film, as we said before the break, which uh, has also generated a lot of discussion, and that is bandersnatch which is available on netflix now um i'm just gonna throw this out real quick when i saw that this was an interactive film i immediately thought that i thought it was a joke right i didn't really think it was really interactive um but then to see that it was like you could actually make a decision and outcomes change I was like, wow, this actually might be, and this is this is not even getting into the storyline. It's it's just for me, it was like this may change the the, the way films are are made, you know, or at least as a possibility. Well, I 
So this is through Netflix. Yeah. And now this isn't the first project they've done on Netflix. That is a choose your own adventure. They did one. They've done an animated show. I think there's a Stretch Armstrong cartoon. Okay. And they did a they did a choose your own with that. But this, I would say, it takes it to a new level. It's a, because it's an extended episode of the program Black Mirror. Mm-hmm. But Bandersnatch is like the, the movie episode. And they really uh, went beyond giving you choices for just story. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, there's, I'd say, some interesting marketing techniques in there. And what was really interesting in this is for those of you who even use or um, choose your own adventure, adventure books, you know, who's, whoever, if you've seen those, mm-hmm. there's this tendency, you know, to want to cheat or go back and make these decisions. I like that they had a feature of a recap. Yeah. So if you hit that dead end that you weren't expecting, mm-hmm. then they do a quick recap and they prompt you to make other choices mm-hmm. uh, or give you that opportunity. And so the whole, so I, I even felt the whole idea of what Bandersnatch was, was, um, something that you could debate mm. because it, it's not just debating what the story is about, which is about free will and making those choices. The actually participating in this Bandersnatch experience. Is it a feature film or is it a, is it a film or is it a game? Mm. Are you choosing your story? Or are you just being guided with the illusion of choice? You know, all those things are kind of going through your head once you get That's caught. That's kind of how loop. I felt. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> that's exactly kind of how I felt. I felt after going through it um, and I didn't I didn't go through all outcomes. I think I did it like five times. Um, but I did. I, st- I started to feel like, well, man, this is a dead end right here. Um, and there's really only one. One right decision. Uh, I don't I don't think there are any right decisions. Hmm. Hmm. Because well, because there's a satisfying decision now. And, and I guess to start off with like, what is Bandersnatch about, which wouldn't help you decide what is the right decision or what you think the right outcome should be. Hang on. Okay. So I think it's important to understand exactly what is Bandersnatch about. Therefore you can figure out, well, what is the right decision or what is the best outcome for the show? Mm-hmm. And Bandersnatch is set in the eighties and it's about a, character who's a computer programmer and they're doing the like the early 80s commodore 64 uh games all these eight the eight bit uh epic games yeah and this character wants to um, adapt this epic choose your own adventure story into a video game but the backstory with this book is the writer went insane right while in order to while finishing while writing the book and ended up you know killing his family so so it's got this mystery or this dark cloud hanging over it but this programmer wants to create the game and so your job is to finish the coding and deliver uh by the certain date so the company can produce the game for Christmas and then hopefully you will get a successful review Mm -hmm. that I would say if you're looking at it game that's the goal complete complete the code get a good review right so then you've got multiple then this is this isn't um 
giving any sort of uh, spoiler, which there will probably be a whole bunch of in this conversation. <laughs> That's right. But, but you can have different outcomes. You might have a great review. You might have a terrible review. You might finish the game. You might not finish the game. I mean, just these are some of the possible endings that can happen as you go through this program or go through Snatch, and then you can start over and make different decisions and then see how it would affect the story. So that just sort of gives you, that lays out what you're getting into right. when you start uh, watching this. Yeah. Um, yeah, that first, uh, the first thing that I, uh, as, a, as a viewer, right, uh, that I appreciated as an older viewer, somebody who could appreciate them going back to an 80s soundtrack uh, and the Commodore, uh, Commodore 64, Right. Is that I actually had a Commodore 64 and I remember I remember how psyched I was to play the games that were on there. And thinking back to like, you know, doing a comparison from now to then. I mean, obviously, these games are, you know, you wouldn't sit down and play those games today, you know, but I just remember the excitement uh, that I had for that uh, and just kind of being able to look and see how far technology has come that was one that was one of the first things that yeah, I, that back in like, those wow. days i mean that was when they had tape decks yeah yeah matter of fact there was still people still had reel to reels um you know they may they may not have yeah. been as popular but you know i, I remember but to play a game that's going to take you two hours just to wait for it to load up yeah yeah i had a game take us off topic just a, just a moment i had uh this game bruce lee uh which was the I guess the 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 great great grandfather to uh, Mortal Kombat, <laughs> but mm-hmm. I just man that was like in retrospect I'm thinking like that that just had to be like the lamest uh, game in the world but it just seemed like just just cool as I don't know what you know back then so um, yeah so they, they had this 80s vibe and the soundtrack Thompson uh, Twins and I can't remember who the other Eurythmics. one was you really yeah so. These were, I think, for older viewers, those <clears throat> those who grew up in the 80s, you know, 90s, um, can kind of go back and you'll find some nostalgic um, kind of prizes just in that right there, just in the soundtrack uh, that that goes with the uh, with the movie. Yeah, and it def- it definitely had those sort of Easter eggs or spoilers or just surprises for people. And what I found interesting is that along with just the storytelling and what you're what you're going to expect there are going to be some twists and turns mm-hmm. there there was an interesting marketing technique that they used uh, or devices so as you mentioned that you have different choices of music yeah. uh or there are different choices of food you can eat so again these are decisions that aren't going to necessarily affect the plot mm-hmm. but what it will do is it'll affect how some of the some of the images you're going to see later so, for instance, if you make a breakfast choice at the beginning, you're going to see a commercial for that particular cereal or whatever you decide to choose later in the game. Right. If you pick a, if you pick a song early on, someone will reference it later. So that was sort of fun to find out that it was beyond just uh, <coughs> things happening. But again, that became part of that loop of is this the illusion of of choice. Right. The story is going the same way. Yes, I get the I get the little carrot of choosing a a commercial, but do I get the stick of changing the story? Is it really gonna change? Yeah. And I think I did this about 
I did it a few more times. I did maybe did it about eight or ten times, mm. at least. You know, because I kept going back and going back and starting it over. Right. And what I will say is, I did not find a happy ending or a satisfying ending. Yeah. But I think that had to do with it being Black Mirror, the show. That that's true. It, it's and I think that's really important to to keep in mind when you are watching this. So if you don't know about if you haven't watched any of the black mirror episodes um yeah it's really never i can't think of any and i've seen them all any of them have that have this a happy cheerful ending you know yes yeah, so, and as you okay so if you're mentioning the 80s you're not going to have that happy uh karate kid ending yeah where you feel triumphant mm-hmm. you're just going to get it's there's these are all sort of ironic endings yeah so you can you can have success in one end and colossal failure on the other, but it's all going to even out as far as some sort of uh, some bander snatch in your head. You're going you mm. you're still going to have some sort of uh, dark moment with the story. Hey, you know what? I, I also was I thought it was um, obviously deliberate, but I don't know what was the intent behind giving the viewer the choice to make some really dark decisions. Uh, one in particular with, um, the main character and his father. Right. Yep. And it made me, it put me in the mind of some of the, uh, the, 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 the video games, some of the violent games where, um, you're rewarded for violence. Uh, you know, what came to mind was like a grand theft auto, something right. like that. No, no, that's, you know, I thought that too, because there were certain in playing it, I felt like they looked at what dark choices can we give people and will they really do it? And then, so what is going to be the payoff? And I remember I did one version where mm-hmm. I picked all, for lack of a better term, the, the safe choices. Right. You know, just, yeah, that was the, it was the most positive ending, but the most unsatisfying ending uh. of the whole thing. Mm-hmm. And it was really short. You know, that first, it was like three minutes. So I got in and I, <laughs> Like, so, it was a three-minute movie. Well, my the first one I did, and that reminded me of those two drone adventure books where you pick the wrong thing. You know, you 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 turn three pages and it's over. Right. And so then I went back and made a different choice and different choice. And but again, the more you play it, then you see that you have to make different choices. And what's really interesting mm-hmm. is that, like, even if I feel like you're going to have to start over, because I noticed. It is, it's weird talking about it this way because it is more like a game. I would make choices and die. Mm-hmm. And then you're, you're playing the game again. Right. Or, or I'd start, I won't say die, but I had to start over. But then the, the program was aware of itself. Mm-hmm. So, so when they would do a recap, the character would say, oh, yeah, I met you before. Oh, I know you. Right, right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I see they're aware of what's happening. So I thought that was cute. But if you met people until you met them, okay, until you made the choice of meeting them or a choice of interacting in a certain way, mm-hmm. it would not come up later in the story. So one of the things I found that was really interesting is that how, again, playing with the recaps, how they were aware of themselves. And sometimes you had to pick a character or you have to actively pick a character in order to um, get certain choices along or, or down the road. So let's say if you didn't pick them and then the 
and then the story ends mm-hmm. and you were to start over and not pick them again, you, you aren't going to get a certain type of uh, choice. Mm. But if you then start again and you pick this character and then you don't see them again and you move forward, then you will get a, a totally separate set of choices. And they just did a good job of layering this. As long as you communicated with somebody, then they are going to be part of the story down the line. And I say this is because sometimes once you, when you end the story or you die, you may not go all the way back to the beginning. Mm-hmm. So you may not go. You may not go to page one if you're thinking of this book. You might go to sixty percent into the story rather than all the way back to thirty percent into the story. And once you do that sixty percent, it's like a register. You've made these certain connections, so you get a different type of um, you choices to make. So right. again, it's not. So it's not necessary. So th- these things aren't. Um, I will say story spoiler alert, it, but it's almost like gameplay alert. Mm. So that's why, you know, do you approach it as a movie? Do you approach it as a game? You know, should you remember or write down different clues, which directions you're going? And because it's Netflix, you can sometimes see your, the choices, the previous choices you've made at the bottom of the screen. So you can quickly go back and then decide, I don't like where I'm going right now. Let me switch it up. And so I was doing a lot of that. You know, um, there were two things uh, that I think were connected to that whole recap, the reboot. The character, uh, the established programmer, um, uh, you know, I don't know, you, you might have his name, but uh, I've seen him in, in other films before, but the one that gave him the LSD. And he's trying to tell uh, he's trying to tell the main character. He's telling them that basically there are different planes of existence, right? Alternate realities and and all of that that whole thing. And I felt like the reboots were kind of a nod to that statement, to that idea that um, there's this continuing uh, existence uh, that you know. He says, "I'll see you later." When you know he decides, he jumps over uh, off off of his roof's balcony. And he's like, yeah, I'll see you later. And and then later on, when you come when you come back and reset you, and he goes, yeah, yeah, I met you before. You know, something I told you I'd see you later, whatever. Um, so th- there's that not this this thinking about parallel uh, realities. And then the other uh, the other thing that I think is worth mentioning is the fact that Netflix, these streaming services, they monitor what we watch, right? I mean, that's what they have to do. They monitor. They monitor what gets the most uh, most streams. Uh, they monitor the times that folks are, are watching and, and all of this. And this is all about what content they're going to offer in the future. What they're going to put money behind uh, in their own studios. Um, but more importantly, more importantly, I think this is also about keeping data on the types of people that are watching because a movie like this, where the decisions are, are given to the viewer, you know, and as we mentioned, some dark decisions, right? You can make the safe uh, play or you can make uh, a play that's really, you know, you can make a decision as, you know, that you probably would not make in your everyday life. So it, I feel like it's also potentially a window and I'm not, you know, I don't think it's like a conspiracy thing, but I think it's, it's as much, um, it's as real as any other 
uh, analytics or, uh, per, you know, they, they make determinations off of who we are based upon the purchases that we make. So, well, it's almost, you know, well, it's almost so fine tuned. Like with this one, yeah. Beyond the purchase, you, you are looking not just the content, like the genre, you're looking at specific scenes now. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and while it is fun to play the game, I mean, I, I, I think that's an interesting point. They can say, or monitor these people like this type of action. They want this type of choice. They want characters to do these dark things. And and uh, it can lead to making sure you have some of this over-the-top content. Mm -hmm. But there there were options for that. There were options in this project for just crazy things to happen or to play it where you make choices that are more grounded, still suspenseful, mm -hmm. but not necessarily... Uh, surreal right go either way in that but i still found but but i think the interesting thing about this was again at well as you were saying these these characters made nods to do you have a choice start again as to the, they mean nods to the structure of the program mm -hmm. and i think uh i mean i i think that was leading me to this idea of there are really only a few choices I really get to make. I can take a few paths there, but in reality, you're getting different shades of the same story. Yeah. So, in that sense, it became. Then, as I'm playing, it became more of a letdown as a story, but get more interesting as a game or a puzzle just unlock the pieces and unlock the path. Yeah. And, you know, I find myself, but, but I guess that'll happen when you start seeing something over and over again, mm -hmm. I find myself getting a little bored with the characters, but seeing, can I zip through just to see, is this a fight scene? Is this a murder scene? Is, is this a comedic scene? What's happening? Right. Or, and how do I get certain characters involved? That I never thought we're going to get involved. Mm-hmm. Uh, by, in, and then I started not making choices where then certain things came up mm -hmm. rather than doing active. See what happens if you're passive with it. And then you got, I got, yeah. And then just to say like there are different ways to play it or watch it. So, but I didn't, I did enjoy it. Mm -hmm. uh, but I think I enjoyed it more as a game than as a movie. Yeah. 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 You know what? Uh, once again, we are in, in agreement. Uh, I definitely, th I think it's worth watching. Um, but it's really something, uh, to experience, but I'm, uh, again, I'm, I'm concerned about what's really behind it and what's it, what's it pushing people, uh, to do and to think like. So, uh, it was interesting. It was an interesting movie. So, uh, Radio Sound family, we have come to the end of our program. We thank you all for tuning in. And uh, as always, we thank our uh, sponsors over at Zakat Foundation. We thank our engineers at WCEV. I'm your host and producer, uh, along with Bubba Murray. Uh, but, but I am Tariq Alamin. Uh, <laughs> our executive producer is Abdul Malik Mujahid. And we remind you that the views expressed by the host and or guests are theirs and not to be taken as a representation of Sound Vision Foundation. And with that, we leave you as we greet you. Assalamu alaikum. May the peace that only God can give be upon you. Thank you.